Uh, our uh, scripture reading this morning is from uh, the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Morning, everybody. Uh, welcome. This is an exciting day in the life of the church. We're so glad you're here. Today marks the first day that we are multiplying into two gathering times, which we're really excited about. We're glad you could be a part of it uh, with us. Uh, that also means that here, this first gathering, you are the guinea pigs. Uh, we're going to be working through all the kinks with you, and uh, you know any joke that I tell that falls flat and you groan, I'll note that. And probably still tell it second service, to be honest with you. Uh, no, no, in all, in all seriousness, we're, we're excited to, to worship and spend this time with you. Uh, it's exciting all that God is doing. In fact, if you look at it this, from this last week's perspective, it's, it's as if God was saying, hey, yeah, you really do need to multiply. Because last week we had uh, 220 people here in attendance, and which meant here in the auditorium, we were just kind of pushing back out into the foyer. And uh, it meant we were uh, kind of, we were, we were busting in the kids' rooms, which we've been doing that actually for, for a while now. And I actually heard that we also ran out of parking last week, which check out how awesome our team was. I didn't find out about this until afterwards, but our team was out there moving their cars and then walking distances to come so that we could make space for folks. So I was just, that was just real fun. But it's also just this exciting, momentous day to be like, yeah, we need to, we need to multiply. So we're excited about that. And we're, we're glad to have you a part of this. Um, today is all about making room. We're actually c- uh, concluding this series. It's kind of c- culminating into today's message. Uh, we're excited that you're here because we want to make room for you. Uh, we want to make room wherever you are in your spiritual journey for you, for your coworkers, for your uh, neighbors, for your friends who don't have a church home, who don't have a church family. Because that's what this is all about. Uh, we are a family growing Uh, loving one another, and we want you to be a part of it. So today, what I thought we would do, just to kind of focus ourselves on this thought and just kind of dig in this together, is look at a text that is actually quite famous for modeling what church can and ought to look like. Um, And maybe even break down some misconceptions we may have about church and about Jesus. But I want to do this, look at this text, because in, in many ways, this is what we're about. This is what we're trying to be about, even as we want to invite you into it. Uh, so let me pray, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Father, thank you so much for all that you're doing in the life of the church. We think about this verse that was just read, where the early church was praising God and enjoying favor. Uh, Father, in, in many respects, we feel that right now, and we just say thank you for that. And yet, we also want to continue to, to focus on the mission you've called us to, and we, we desperately need your help in that. Lord, we are, we are far from perfect. We are broken people, but that's the point of all of this. That's why Jesus came. And so today is about him and about uh, learning from him and growing in him. So, Father, would you send us your Holy Spirit and, and uh, speak to us your words from this text? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so, okay, before actually jumping into the text, I want to start with what I'm calling some interpretive caution, okay? Some interpretive caution, because it's actually really easy to overly idealize 
the church as it was represented here in Acts 2. Uh, what do I mean by that? Uh, when, when we started Current together, when we were meeting in a living room, and all of this was still forming, we were trying to figure out what this would all look like and, you know, the shape of it all, what kind of church culture we'd be. Uh, we were asking all these questions, and people were giving input. And every once in a while, I'd have someone who knew their Bible who'd come up to me and say, David, can we be an Acts 2 church? Uh, with a lot of enthusiasm and, you know, and I knew what they were, they were saying. They were, they, they, were saying, they were thinking about this text right here that we have before us and saying, can we, can we be devoted to each other in these ways? And can we, can we serve others? And can we, can we, you know, sell possessions? Can we do all this sort of thing? And uh, I always had uh, one of two responses, basically, uh, when, when I heard that, when someone came up to me and said, can, I, uh, can we be an Acts 2 church? Just kind of by way of perspective or context giving. Uh, one of those responses was, Oh, so you want to be a church that meets every day? Uh, which always got kind of this, I always got kind of this weird look of like, oh, uh, no, no, I think you're cool, Dave, but no, I don't want to hang out with you every day, sorry. Um, but that's what they're doing here in Acts 2. It says every day they were in the temple courts. Every day they were in each other's homes breaking bread. Or if I was really in the mood when someone came up and said, hey, can we be an Acts 2 church? I said, oh, does that mean you want to be racist? Because the early church by this point was racist. You don't have to read too far into Acts, which, by the way, is about the early account of the church, to find that the church was wrestling with racism. Now, real quickly, to be fair to the early church, they wrestled with racism because all of society was racist. Um, And actually, as you read the book of Acts, you find a beautiful account of God actually with surgical precision cutting out racism in the church because that's the gospel. There are no divisions racially, culturally, whatever it is, drawing us to Jesus because of what he's done, what barriers he's brought down. And so you see that in Acts, um, and yet we need to have that in mind as we read this text, just understand it, understand the context, at least in the, in the history, not to over-idealize it in that way. And then we see in verse 45 here that they were selling property and possessions. Uh, some read that and say, oh, Christians, you, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to do. Um, the, the problem with that is this is a descriptive thought, not a prescriptive thought. You following there? This is saying that what they were doing, not necessarily this is what they are supposed to do or what you are supposed to do. Now, if God puts it on the heart of a follower of his, say that might be you, to, to go sell your possessions and give it, hey, that's, that's you know, God working in your life and we should follow him in those, those ways. But there's no command here. You should go out and do that. In fact, not all of the followers of, the early church, uh, of Jesus in the early church were doing this because in the very next verse it says they were meeting at each other's homes. Now, how are they, did they all sell their homes and then also happen to also meet in them? Like, how does that work? It's, it's just a, a descriptive thought, uh, not prescriptive. But this is all to say, we just need to be careful not to overly idealize this text, even as, yes, it serves as a wonderful, wonderful model for what church ought to and should look like. Um, so I want to look at this together. Uh, in verse 42, first we see that they the early church, devoted themselves to a number of practices. Four things, in fact. Uh, First, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Uh, That's what it says there. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Uh, What's that mean? Uh, Let's keep in mind, let's remember, that this is in the very early days of the church. In fact, this is in the the very first few days of the church. Uh, Jesus, in chapter 1 of the book of Acts, had just died, uh, been raised to life, and commissioned the church to take the gospel out into the nations. And so here in Acts 2, we essentially have the very first description of the early budding Christian church. The very first And so, of course, they didn't have the scriptures that you and I have, the Bible, as we have it today. 
Uh, They had, of course, the Hebrew Scriptures, which we call the Old Testament, the Scriptures leading up to the life of Jesus. Uh, But they didn't have the New Testament because they're literally in the New Testament. It hasn't been written yet, and and so on and so forth, uh, which is really important for us to consider uh, here, if if not for just a few moments. Uh, In John... Uh, the book of John, right before Jesus went to the cross, he said something that is, was of profound significance to what we're talking about here today and what affects the church and how, what we study and why we study it. Uh, John said, uh, excuse me, in the book of John, Jesus, right before he went to the cross, said to his disciples who he was, whom he was commissioning as his apostles, whom he was establishing as, as, as the ones to establish and carry on the doctrine and the faith Going forward, he said to them in a number of places, I am sending you the Holy Spirit that that he would, quote, guide you into all truth. That he would lead you, apostles, into all truth. And how the church has understood the meaning of those words down the ages is, okay, that means the faith is not up for grabs. We have to go back and make sure is the doctrine from the apostles because that's whom Jesus set up to establish it. Are you, are you tracking with me? So for instance, that's why we have the books in the Bible of the New Testament that we have. Have you ever wondered that, how, how the Bible was put together? At least the New Testament was, was put together this way, the canon. Um, often, uh, you know, somebody will ask me these questions and the, the assumption will be that there was some sort of vote at some point. You know, some council of Christian leaders came together and said, ooh, I like that book, let's include that. Uh, I don't like this one. Do you guys, hey, why don't we, let's not put that one in there. All right, how about this one? What do you guys think? That, that never happened. In fact, there's, there's no evidence for that. What there is evidence for is that the early church leaders were constantly asking the question of any and every would-be New Testament book, is it apostolic? That's the question they were asking. You can look back at the, the primary sources. They were asking, is this book apostolic? Meaning, was the primary source material an, an apostle? One of the ones that Jesus commissioned to establish his faith. Um, which is why, for instance, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are in the Bible. Matthew and John were both apostles. Okay, check, check. John, uh, Mark and Luke were not apostles. How'd those books get in the Bible? What's, what's the deal with that? Well, we have primary sources, for instance, in the case of the book of Mark, going back, by the way, to the first century after Jesus' life, way back there, of early church leaders saying, not only did Mark, that is John Mark, write the book of Mark, but his source material was Peter, the apostle. And so therefore, they're like, okay, that's from the apostolic line of Peter. We need to include Mark. And then Luke, who was an apostle, why is that in there? Well, he is actually the one who wrote the book of Acts. Why are we reading Acts if he wasn't an apostle? Well, Luke was spending all his time in interviewing apostles like the apostle Paul, whom, by the way, he spent a lot of time in the book of Acts hanging out with. And he interviewed a number of other ones. That's why we have Luke. That's why we have Mark. Uh, real quickly, because uh, this is just a case to kind of uh, touch on this real briefly. You remember when the Da Vinci Code was popular? A lot of people were asking about the Gospel of Thomas. Uh, and why isn't the Gospel of Thomas in, in, in the Bible? And the reason for that is while the Gospel of Th- Thomas might have some helpful, interesting things in there, none of the early church leaders thought that the Apostle Thomas actually wrote it. So like, it seems like a good book, but we don't think Thomas wrote it, so we can't include it. Um, Okay, that's all nice, maybe interesting. What does that mean for us? Uh, we, are, we aim to be devoted to the apostles' teaching in the New Testament, to God's word across the board, Old Testament and New. Um, let me put this a different way. As I come up here to preach, I don't want it to be my words. In fact, I don't care what I have to say. Does that make sense? Like, 
Are you following me on this? Like, I, I don't, if, if, if David, if I have some interesting thoughts to share, I don't really care if it's not related to or coming from uh, the scriptures. Because, for instance, I know if I'm, if I'm doing self-help talk or just like, you know, uh, spit-firing what David thinks, I am under no false impression that you can't go and download a better talk from, like, you know, Ted. You know, Ted Talk and watch that through and get a lot of good information there. But if this is God's word, if, if these are his teachings, if these are the words of life, then okay. In fact, one of our prayers here as a team, whether we're preaching, whether we're singing, um, our prayer is we want to get out of the way and we focus on what the Lord wants us to focus on, what God wants us to focus on, his scriptures. And in the New Testament, those are the apostles' teachings, just like the early church. That's why when we study the scriptures um, at our current groups, that's of vital importance. We don't want to just get together and just kind of spit fire and, you know, help each other. That's not to say helping each other, giving advice isn't, isn't helpful at times or whatever, but we want to really see what does God's word have to say? How does that impact us? How does that mold us? How does that encourage us? How does that challenge us and transform us? So one, we see that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Secondly, we see that they were devoted to life together. So in verse uh, 42 here, it says that they were devoted to fellowship. Uh, that word in the Greek is, is the word koinonia, which basically at its root form means commonality or sharing. Um, it, it means sharing life together. Um, and we see that even in this text. Verse 43 says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. And then verse 46, they met together in the temple courts and in their homes. I love that picture of those two gathering places because that's, that's what we're trying to do here at Current. For instance, one of those gatherings is happening right now. Uh, they met in the temple courts. That was their corporate gathering. Uh, we were actually told just before, in, also in chapter 2 of Acts, that the church had grown to about the size of 3,000 people. So it probably meant about that number, and increasingly so, were meeting in the temple courts to hear the apostles preach, no doubt, to pray, to sing songs, no doubt, probably of the Psalms, of the Hebrew Scriptures, and whatever that might be. They were probably there giving announcements, no doubt, um, but that was their corporate gatherings. These are incredibly important to us, this time and space. Uh, these are the times where we, we spend about an hour at the start of our week to, to be inspired, to be energized as we meet together with God, to, in, to be encouraged, to be challenged. Uh, this is one of the main reasons why I'm really excited about multiplying to two uh, gathering times is for those teams, especially the kids' teams, to be able to serve but also attend and be in here with corporate uh, in, the, in, in the corporate worship gathering sense. These times are so valuable as we just are, are, are filled up, are energized, and are, are encouraged and uh, changed by God's word. I remember when I used to serve on teams at, at other churches, and I'd miss times like these over an extended period of time. I'd feel it after a while. There's something special and biblical about these times as we gather together. And then the early church, they met in their homes that's our version of current groups, right, in Alpha. That's, as we've said, it's our time of going from rows to circles. It's our time to get into the more one-to-one -one and personal interactions in a small group because the Bible is filled with one another commands. I mean, there's so many, it's like upwards of 30 commands to love one another, be devoted to one another, not judge one another, encourage and spur one another, bear with one another, and so on. And this happens when we gather in smaller group settings, um, often in people's homes. 
look, this sort of fellowship or sharing of life is of a critical importance. I, th- I think we know that, at least on, on the surface. But sometimes we, we don't know it deep down how important it is. Uh, recently, my brother sent me a podcast called The Art of Manliness, which I tried to not take offense at. I was like, why are you sending this? Am I not being like manly? Like, what? Well, thanks, thanks, brother. Uh, no, anyways. Uh, so I started listening to it. It's pretty interesting. I haven't listened to too much, so I can't really vouch for it, okay? But I, there was this episode I was, I was listening to. That was, uh, the, 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 the podcast was interviewing two authors that were talking about how the modern American man uh, really doesn't have the friendships that he probably tends to think he does, if he does have any, or, or, or have entirely, if, if, you know, or, or realize that he, he actually needs. Uh, they were talking about what they call the, sla- the sad clown syndrome. Okay, they, they took the idea from The Sopranos, a show I haven't watched, but uh, uh, Tony, I guess, is the main character. And, uh, you know, he's, he's gangster, but also family man. And so there's this episode they're talking about where he goes to uh, the psychiatrist, and he's like, doctor, I feel like I'm a slat, I have the sad clown syndrome. Like, I, I, you know, on the, on, when I'm at these family gatherings, I put on this really nice, happy face, but like on the inside, I'm like, I have all this other stuff that's going on. And these authors were talking about how a lot of guys, a lot of American men, will have relationships, have friends, but really at the end of the day, they're not actually friends. They're not they're not relationships that we're actually drawing uh, a, a real connection to and from in ways that we really need. And I, and I thought about that, and, I, and, I, and I, was, I, was, I was thinking, that could be true for all of us, American guys or not. Uh, last week, we started Alpha, as Cindy mentioned, a, a group that is exploring the Christian faith. So if you don't identify as Christian and you want to explore the Christian faith in a, in a safe uh, uh, environment. I would encourage you to check it out. We'd love to have you, you come. Um, you, can, you can check out the uh, connections table to, to hear more about it. But we started, we kicked it off, this alpha group, and we were just getting to know each other, get to know you questions, and then kind of spiritually we asked the question, um, if, if there turns out to be a God, and you could ask one question, what question would that be? Like, what a, what a great question just to get to, know, get to know folks. And so we all went around, and everybody answered that question. And, by, and, and there was back and forth after people asked the question, oh, that's interesting you'd ask that, and, and, and so on and so forth. And we all had this moment at the end of the first meeting, the first meeting. We all had this moment of, boy, I feel like we kind of know each other better than we know many of our coworkers that we'll sit across from for years in terms of how much we've gotten to know each other and how open people have been and the safe space and trust and all that. Um, this fellowship, this sharing of life together is of critical importance. We could kind of like check off like on the surface, like, yeah, I see it's kind of important, but it's really important. How much more so, by the way, in an area like the Silicon Valley, where everybody's just time crunched, uh, everybody is just dealing with the pressures, dealing with the stress, uh, maybe parents are often not in the area, uh, because of cost of living, people are constantly moving, you're constantly moving, <laughs> Um, what we're trying to do is make room, make room for you, make room for each other. Because notice this word here that is modifying each of these practices. It says that the early church were devoted. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to fellowship. Um, More literally translated, that is saying they were persistently steadfast in these things. In other words, these things don't happen automatically but we have to take a next step into it. 
So if you're at all interested in considering what a next step like this might look like for you, I encourage you to step by the connection table afterwards. The team would love to talk to you um, and, and consider these things uh, with you. Wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, there's, there's a place for you to be here. We'd love to, love to have you a part of this, part of life together. Third, we see that they were devoted to eating together. Uh, more literally, in verse 42, it says they were devoted to the breaking of bread. I love this. The early church were a bunch of foodies. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, isn't it interesting how food really does bring us together relationally? Uh, recently, there was a, a, a major L.A. food editor and writer visiting Current, which was kind of fun. Uh, incidentally, he was here visiting a site up, up the peninsula that is lab-growing chicken nuggets. You heard of this? That's what he's here for. Sorry, this is so totally incidental. I'll get back. I just think it's interesting. Uh, he was here. To, he was eating these like two hundred fifty dollar, you know, cost to grow chicken nuggets, which is actually really interesting because you know the chicken's not part of the deal. Um, and I asked him how it tasted. He's like, it tastes like a chicken nugget. <laughs> it's like it wasn't amazing, but he's like, it's cool though. Thinking about how this could get cost cost efficient. Anyways. Um, so I was asking him about his work and how his faith and his work comes together. Like how, and he was talking about, talk, telling me about the ministry of food. Um, and he was saying how the Bible re- really is littered with so many verses about food. Um, I was actually telling him that, I, that I, I thought about this myself because I had a buddy when I was in grad school who was in culinary school himself. And he got this idea going through culinary school uh, to put Bible verses all around his apartment that talked about food. And I saw him, he was starting to do that. Came back a month later and literally there's no more space on his apartment. I was like, dude, you gotta use a smaller font. But anyways, there's just so many like verses all all up on there. The the Bible talks about food and the power of food uh, to bring us together. I think we know this. But again, it doesn't happen automatically. It's something we need to step into. I love this thought. We gotta eat anyways. Might as well do it around relationships, friendships. Uh, What we're trying to do as we grow here at Current is uh, create more opportunities for this to happen organically. And uh, what we've been trying are these ideas called uh, eat-ups. Eat-ups, you know, kind of stealing from the idea of meet-ups. Not meat as in veggie, not, no, no, no. Okay, so eat-ups. Um, and what we do is we get to, okay, that's a joke. I won't tell. I am going to tell a second. I am going to tell a second. <laughs> uh, eat-ups, where we get together and we just go out and we hang out after uh, after the, the service, it'll be after second service. Um, but we encourage you to do that because every time I go out and I, I hang out that, I invariably get to hang out with somebody I don't necessarily get to spend as much time with and relationships are formed and catalyzed and all, so on and so forth. Um, uh, they were devoted to prayer. Actually, literally, the word there is prayers, so plural, which actually has more of the sense that they were praying for one another. I'm gonna talk about this briefly and then keep moving. But prayer is an incredibly important ministry in the life of a church, of uh, what we want to be about here. We want to give opportunities for prayer corporately here in, the, in this corporate setting, but also in, in groups, because prayer is first and foremost a time in which we speak to God and he listens, he hears, he answers. But prayer is also a time in which our hearts are knit together as we get to know each other. How do you pray for someone that you just kind of know, right? You have to really know what's going on to start to begin to pray for them. And this is a ministry that we have. So we want to create opportunities for that. Many of you I know here at Current have made recent faith decisions to follow Jesus. Just know that we're, not, we're never going to force you to pray as, as we're going to give opportunities and encourage ourselves to pray. Prayer for you might feel like something that's daunting, maybe a little scary, especially in this idea of you know, praying out loud for somebody else. Again, we're not going to force you to do it, so don't hear that. But there's a lot of opportunity if you've never experienced that to minister and be ministered to in that way. Not to mention, first and foremost, again, God listens, hears, and answers. 
Okay, so they were devoted in all these ways. Um, and uh, we, we would invite you, wherever you're at, to take the next step and be a part of this as we're seeking to do the same here at Current. But what we also see in the early church is that they were generous and mission-minded. Um, these are both high values of ours. Uh, verse 45 says, They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. We already talked about this a little bit, that this is not prescription, but description. Still, the principle is clear as they were being generous. They were living sacrificially. And they were taking care of their own needs as they were taking care of those who weren't in necessarily their immediate community uh, 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 network of relationship. Uh, We want to be generous. If you've been here for one of our welcome lunches, chances are you've heard me talk about it this way. Uh, We live in a very wealthy area. Um, There's a a CEO up at VMware up, up the peninsula, a guy named Pat Gelsinger, who uh, was quoted saying this, we basically live, according to certain measures, in the wealthiest part of the U.S., while also falling near dead last in per capita charitable giving. Now, that's the Silicon Valley. Now, that's the Silicon Valley where we like to think we come here to change the world, but really what we do is more so pad our pockets. Uh, that should be jolting to us, wherever we're at, by the way, but to... Christian friends, we need to consider how we need to lead in the direction of generosity and giving towards the needs in the community, even as we want to give towards the spiritual nourishment of what happens here. Um, thank you for how you give so generously, church family. It's just amazing. Cindy mentioned a few, you know, a few of the ways that you're giving generously moments ago has been having an impact uh, beyond just here, what happens on Sunday mornings. Um, but in the community, she talked about We Hope, the homeless ministry we have with the folks in East Palo Alto, as that organization tries to get people back on their feet into homes, uh, equipped to get jobs. You've not only given generously toward that, and you've gone generously. In some, some ways, you know, time is of the scarcest of resource, and yet you've gone. We sent teams over there. That's been, that's been exciting. Uh, thank you for giving generously that we can help with Freedom House, an organization that is fighting human trafficking. I was having a conversation with a retired police officer this week, and he was marveling at the gains that are being made in this ugly underbelly that we have here in the Silicon Valley. Uh, the, one of the, the founders talked about, of, uh, the founder of, of Freedom House talked about how a lot of these gals are actually saved out of hospitals. Uh, did you know this? This is how it works. We haven't really talked a whole lot about this, but often the gals are saved out of hospitals because that's where they go to get, receive care after unfortunate abuse or whatever it might be. But they're also, because the hospitals operate the way they are, uh, uh, separated from their captors for a time where they can't monitor what's being said, and so it's sniffed out, and then they're whisked away to a place like Freedom House. Uh, for, a, for a safe house. Thank you for giving generously towards that. Thank you for giving generously so that we can support organizations like Foster the Bay, uh, an organization that wants to have a church for every child. Thank you for those who have fostered here children uh, in the system. Uh, thank you for those who are actively considering fostering, even right now. Uh, you are our heroes, even as we want to come alongside you. Thank you for all these ways you're being, you're being generous. This is what we want to be about in, to, in even greater uh, respects. And we want to invite you here Uh, to be a part of it as we seek to do these things that God has placed in our lives. We want to be generous, and we want to be mission-minded. That's the idea of we want to fight to be outward-focused. We don't want to just be about here, although, again, this is an important time and space for spiritual nourishment and inviting those in who don't have yet a loving community or family in mind. But we we want to fight to be outward-focused. We could circle the wagons and not start a second 
gathering time. That would be easy in some respects. But we believe that God wants us to be about those who are not yet even here. And we want to encourage you and invite you to be a part of that with us. Finally, uh, we see the last observation. The church, the early church got to be part of something far bigger than themselves. Uh, That's all over this text. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs. Verses 46 and 47, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Man, I would love to just bottle that joy and excitement up that this early church was experiencing. And yet, that's what God is doing here. It's really exciting to think about what God has been doing here at Current. And we say none of this by way of patting ourselves on the back, but just to celebrate and thank him to verse 47, praise God for what he's doing. You know, the, the joy, the excitement in this community is palpable. Whenever friends visit, they almost all remark on, wow, this is such a welcoming, warm environment. Friends, that's not always the case. And yet, it's a gift to be stewarded when folks come in to invite them into the number. By the way, even as the Lord is adding to the number here, uh, we've been celebrating since the turn of year how 25 adults made first-time faith decisions to follow Jesus in 2019, which blows us away. The baptisms, celebrations that we've celebrated over the last little bit have been amazing. I don't know about you, but I feel filled with awe at the many wonders and signs. God has been so kind to us. And so we praise him, even as he graciously adds to our number. And so today, this is what we're about. Uh, This is what we are trying to be about. We want to be devoted to God's wonderful word as best we can. We want to be devoted to sharing life together, to even, yes, the breaking of bread, eating together, to praying for one another, and to being generous and mission-minded. Why? All for the purpose of being about something greater than ourselves, bigger than ourselves. This has been our hope and prayer since the beginning of Current. We, don't, we never wanted to start Current or today continue Current with the idea of playing church or going through the motions. What we want to see happen, what we long to see is God move. Because when he moves, lives are transformed and eternity is changed. But friends, it's easy to forget that. You know, as we come and we attend, it's easy to forget that as we set up and tear down. Even as we, as we are, are in it together and on a regular basis, it's easy to forget that these are all things Jesus said will never rust or fade away, but will last for forever. We're making room. We're making room for you. We'd love to have you join and be a part of this growing church. Uh, let's pray. Father, really like the early church, we, we stop to, to praise you with glad and sincere hearts because we feel like we're enjoying favor. That's not to say it's all easy, all comfortable. It's like there's not work or even, even hard things that many of us are facing. But it's, it's to say in light of eternity and, God's, and, and, and just how we've been able to see you move, we're just so thankful for who you are and what you've done for us. And so, Father, would you continue to go before us in this next season, this new season in the life of the church? Would you help us to be devoted to your things, not ours, your things? And I pray for all of us here as we consider these things, that you'd help us, by the power of your Holy Spirit, consider what our next step is. 
Father, we love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.